Well, good morning. How, how, many, how many of you feel stuck today? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I like the dog in the toilet. Eh? How many like, I like the dog in the toilet. And how many of us felt like we're the dog in the toilet? Yeah. Yeah, so hey, welcome. We're talking about stuck. This is a brand new sermon series. And you know, I've got to tell you, this is, this is one of those sermon series that, that, that um, um, I, I, think, I think is so relevant. You know, in my, in my years as a pastor, I, I think I can safely say that every time uh, you know, I've sat with someone, every, every time someone's come to me for, for some kind of help, it's always about being stuck somewhere. You know, whether it's relationally, whether it's financially, whether it's spiritually, um, you, you know, this, this runs the gamut of so many life issues, you know, just, just to be stuck, um, just to be in a place where you don't know how to, how to get out, you know, and, 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 and do that. You know, have you, have you ever seen that sign? Uh, have you ever been stuck in traffic? And you see, you see that sign that says, you are not stuck in traffic, you are traffic? Have you, have you ever, you know, and sometimes you wonder, uh, you know, you're not really stuck in life. This is life, you know, you can, you can kind of say that to people. But the reality is, is every one of us, well, you know, presently you could be in that, in that circumstance right now. You could be stuck um, and not wondering what to do. And here's, here's the thing, you know, the four kind of parameters of stuck that I want to kind of use as a definition over the next four weeks. And, you know, as we talk about this, the, when, when we get stuck, the number one thing is this, is we, we don't want to be there. Okay, it, it may be a bed of our own choosing. It, it may have been a decision that we made, you know, whatever. But, it, but in reality, we don't want to be there. Okay, if, if somebody was to say, you know, do you like being in this situation? Do you like being in these circumstances? And, and, and the question is, no, we don't. The trick is, though, getting out of it. Okay, here's, here's the second part of this. Is, and we're not sure how to get out. Okay, I love, I love that passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus comes up to a blind man. And he actually asks the blind man, do you want to be healed? See, part of the problem getting stuck is that you can be stuck for so long that you actually get comfortable with it. That you actually find yourself in, this, in the situation and you say, well, you know, this is, it is what it is. How many of us have ever said that? It is what it is, and we surrender ourselves to the circumstances, and we don't even want to entertain getting out of it because it's, it's, it's just not an option, or we don't think it's an option. And that, and that leads us to the third thing, what happens, is that in time, we move from helpless to hopeless. Okay, that's, that's what ends up happening. If, if, if we have trouble getting out of the situation, or we may, we may actually have a plan for getting out for getting unstuck, but it's going to cost too much to get out of the situation. It's going to cost too much to get out of the situation. The, the pain, you, know, you don't even want to live with, with, with um, what the fallout's going to be. Okay? That's, that's, a, that's a very real possibility, isn't it? Um, so in time, we move from helpless to hopeless. And the longer that you stay in a situation where you feel helpless, you will eventually feel hopeless. Okay? The one translates into the other over time. And the fourth thing we've got here is that in time, we end up blaming God. 
We end up, you know, however we want to frame that. I've heard people, you know, communicate this in so many different ways that, that suddenly it's, it's, it's outside of my ability. It's outside of my power. It's outside of my potential. It's outside of all. And listen, you know, and again, you know, I want to be really careful of this because what I could do with this is I can make this all self-help. Okay? And I want to be very, very careful of that. But we are going to unlock some biblical principles that are very real, that are very applicable, that are very applicational, and very real that the Bible talks about. But the danger is we can turn this so much into a self-help thing that we lose dependency on God, allow God to work in the circumstances and the situation, because hope, you know, essentially is a God thing. Hope essentially is a God thing because hope is based on the promises of God. So when we try to get unstuck, we're trying to move from a place where we can initiate something in our life and in our relationship with God that God can use to move us out of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. All right, a very important distinction to make, and I want to be um, really, really careful. Because the, the reality is, is if, 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 if we're stuck, we either have to stop something, start something, or change something. And none of us like doing any of that, right? Stop, start, change. Stop, start, change. Stop, start, change. Those are probably three swear words in your life. Who knows? You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. All right? Now, here's, 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 here's the thing that um, Christianity especially gets criticized about that really bothers me. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to settle on this one topic today. Um, that, you know, in order to be a religious person, in order to be a Christian, in order to, to have any kind of a, a interaction or a faith in God, you lose your mind. You've got to check your brains at the door. In fact, we live in a culture that any kind of, of faith or any kind of religion or any kind of, you know, uh, warmness towards God automatically makes you a person who has lost their mind, right? In fact, we live in a culture that says rational thinkers know that God does not exist, right? Isn't that, isn't that the, the way? Is it just me or what? Okay, but don't, don't, don't you feel that tension in the culture? To have any kind of religious faith, you've got to be a person who is not thinking. Okay? But the Bible talks a lot about our thoughts. The Bible talks a lot about thinking. In fact, for many, many, many centuries, Christianity was the intellectual enterprise of, of life. What we have done in our culture is move from the intellectual into the emotional experiential. If we don't have the experience, right, it can't be intellectually true. And that's false. Do you know, do you know um, um, just, the way, just the way a service, just the way a, 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 a church service is designed, did you know it's, it's essentially two parts? It, it, it engages emotion, you know, through music, drama, video, all that kind of stuff. The intellectual is, you know, the message, the sermon, right? It's supposed to engage both parts, right? But, but we've tied ourselves so much into the experience that we want to check our brains at the door when it comes to faith, when it comes to religion, when it comes to, you know, things of God, 
right? And that's a tragedy. It's an incredible tragedy in our culture that, that it's no longer a thinking religion. You know, um, and again, just as an aside, you know, um, I'm really interested in what is happening around the world, but no one, no one, especially in the media, no one's engaging in the theological arguments of what is happening today. No one, because no one knows them. No one knows them. It is such a lack of intellectual engagement that we have in the world today. It is the most frightening thing I can imagine. But Christianity is built, is built on, 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 on a beautiful theology that is at the heart of what, um, what is very thoughtful, if I could say it that way. And, it, and it's beautifully integrated to the reality of life. But we miss that. Amen. Thank you. Right? But it is, you know. You do not have to check your brains at the door when you walk into this room. Amen. Okay, you want to clap? Yeah, clap, you know. I am, I, I, I personally am, am, am so tired of faith being considered this, you know, like, like there's something mentally wrong with you if you engage in religion, okay? So we're going we're gonna to talk today a little bit about this whole business of, of thinking um, and, and thought process. And, and um, you, you know, um, the Apostle Paul, for, in, for instance, you know, we're going to look at a number of passages from the Apostle Paul. And he was a thinking man. He was a theologian. He was a person that articulated beautifully the, the principles of the Christian faith. And here he is writing to the Corinthians, okay, which is the Vegas of the ancient world, okay? Here's the Vegas of the ancient world. And listen what he writes to these people. He says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Paul loved to contrast the human point of view, the flesh point of view, to the spiritual point of view. And I would argue the intellectual point of view. The Greeks in the ancient world were considered and thought themselves to be the most intellectual people of the day. You know, if you take philosophy in university nowadays, you're going you're you're to read all the Greek philosophers, right? That, that, was, that was just, you know, the culture of the day. And Paul says, you know, from a human point of view, we stopped evaluating others. At one time, I love this, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Isn't that amazing? We thought of Christ from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. Now, the reason why I'm giving you this, this, this particular verse is look at the verse right after it. How many times do we quote this verse but don't realize the context at which it comes out of? Paul talking about how differently he, he thought of Christ at one time and how differently he thinks of Christ now. And then he says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person or a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life is gone. It's come, I mean. Isn't that beautiful? That there's this, that whatever happened in the mind of Paul 
translated from a whole different way of thinking to a whole brand new way of thinking. Here's the point I want to make. Faith is not just a salvation event. Faith, you know, we, we talk about salvation. Oh, God came into my life and, 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 and right away we think you feel different, you act different, you know, you do all this stuff. But the reality is coming to faith, being a person of God is an intellectual revolution. It changes dramatically how you think. Paul, grasp as, as, much as, as much as you possibly can this morning just how differently Paul looked at other people. Now, ask yourself, what has to change in your thinking to see people in a whole new light? How dramatically does, does something have to happen inside your head to have you see people in a totally different way. Isn't it amazing how coming to faith translates in a totally new and different way of thinking? Isn't it amazing that your entire worldview changes? Isn't it amazing that you could probably view the world with all kinds of bad things happening, but you can say, still, God is in control, and it's moving into God's plan, into God's purposes. That's a whole different way of, of, of looking at things. It absolutely dramatically changes your thinking. And part of becoming a new creation, part of becoming a brand new person, has to do with what happens up here. What happens up here. You know, we love, you know, we, we love to, to, to change, first and foremost, what we see on the outside of what is happening to a person. But if it doesn't start up here first, it's going to have a lot of difficulty coming out of here so it becomes something real. To be a new creation, you know. Here is is probably the best known passage when it comes to thinking out of Romans 12, another, another passage you've heard time and time and time again. But don't miss the essence of the thinking component that Paul's talking about. So Paul's talking to the, the church at Rome. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Because Christ gave his entire self for us. So that sacrifice relates into a sacrifice that we give of our entire bodies as well. And our entire bodies means this little, what is it, two pounds, whatever it is that's on the top of our heads. Okay? It translates. Do you know how complicated that that as a computer is? Very. And that's saying it mildly, right? Let them be a living and holy Sacrifice, the kind we will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. Worship is an act of sacrifice. It's not a mode of singing. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Remember that t- terminology, that new person t- terminology? That's what happens when, when, when it translates by changing what? The way you dance? The way you fill in, you know, fill in the blanks. The way you think. 
the way you think, then you will learn. Remember, we just did a whole, we just did a couple of sermons just last week on God's will. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is, by the way, good and pleasing and perfect. The, the three P's in English: perfect, pleasing, and. All right, you guys are awake. Good. You got to test every so often. You know, you just you just gotta you just gotta put it out there. All right. So there they are. Um, you, you know, while you know some some of you know that a couple of weeks ago we were at uh, or a few weeks ago we were at the Catalyst Conference in Atlanta, and uh, it was a leadership conference, and and myself, Darlene, uh, and Brent and Jennifer Paul. Uh, the four of us went. Al was there too. That's right. Al and, and some people from his from his work were there too. Now I got to tell you, I was absolutely mesmerized by a particular uh, neuroscientist uh, by the by the name of Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who has actually studied the brain for thirty years, um, and 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 writes on on the brain and and all this stuff. And absolutely, you know, is one of those. You know, she she talks for half an hour. And your brain's still processing three months later. You know, have you ever had one of those kind of moments and kind of, kind of talks? And she went like 100 miles an hour talking about the brain, brain, the brain, the brain, the brain, and all this stuff. And it was absolutely wild. Um, and she used this passage as a believer uh, in her study to say, you know, th- this, this has to relate. This is the word of God. This has to relate to reality about the way people think, about the way people translate their thoughts, the, and how important thinking is. You know, there was a time that scientists believed that the brain was fixed and permanent. It couldn't do anything with it. Like that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the way it came. But research is showing that it's not. It's not fixed and hardwired. It's malleable. It's adaptable. It changes day by day. You, you know, um, our thought life is, is the predominant factor in our health. Did you know that? Our thought life is the predominant factor in our health. Everything we say and everything we do was at first a thought. Our brains generate more energy, more electric impulses in one day than all the cell phones on the planet. Did you know that? I thought, listen, I think this is really cool. I think this is really cool. And you're going to have to tolerate it because I got the mic. <laughs> it is true to say, it is true to say, mind over matter. Do you know that? It's true to say that it's mind over matter. Stress does not kill, but the negative stress in your head does. There's such a thing as good stress. A toxic thought, a toxic This is the part that really got me. That toxic thought, toxic thinking actually affects your biology. That a toxic thought is just as dangerous as a physical inflammation. That if you want to think toxically, that will translate into biology. And that will actually affect your body. Isn't it amazing that the Bible talks about by changing the way you think? 
When we worship, now, she never expanded on this, I, and, and I'm, I want to write her, and, but she said in one, in one of her sessions, because she got to speak at two different sessions, she said, we are the most intelligent during worship. That just, you know, you know, you know you're in a crowd of 13,000, you want to stand up and go, wait a minute, you want to you just take the rest of the half hour on that one? Right? Just, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. What do you mean that you're the most intelligent when you worship? But she said that. Negativity keeps your brain locked. Negativity keeps your brain locked. You want to change your life, you do literally have to change your brain. Change your thinking. Our conscious mind can handle four to seven things a second, while our unconscious mind operates virtually without limit. But we are controlled mostly by our unconscious mind. We have 300 billion neurons firing in our brain. And we operate at something like 480,000 operations per second. And we can store 3 million years of data in our, in our heads. Are we wired for more? Are we wired for something better? And, and, and she says the two things that will change, the, the key to transformation and change is determination and desperation are the two things that she said that you have to have is determination and desperation, right? How many of us, how many of us have been desperate for God and God has changed us primarily first and foremost by the way we think. You know, I'll tell you, that, that, that was, that was um, you know, I, I think I've said this before, and I'm, I'm sorry for those of you that heard it before, but that was the thing that absolutely blew me away when I became a Christian. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, when, when I became a Christian, it was, I didn't feel the lightning bolts, and I didn't feel the, you know, people, something happens inside of you, and you feel this experience, and it didn't happen for me. For, for me, it was like a total change of thinking. It was for me. It's like what I thought was right suddenly wasn't right. What I thought I needed to chase after wasn't the thing. You know, it just, it, it just became this weird, weird thing. And suddenly, literally, the very next day, I'm, I'm going, how, how, how could I have thought this yesterday and think this way today? It was absolutely unbelievable. For me, this, this passage was, was you, you know, that was my aha moment when I came to Christianity. Okay? It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Here's the, here's the point I want to make from this passage. A renewed mind leads to a personal transformation and a renewed hope. A, a renewed hope. Paul talks about your entire life being a sacrifice to God, first and foremost by the change of thinking that happens inside of you. The change of thinking that happens inside of you. That it is an intellectual thing. There is an intellectual component that we cannot ignore. And sometimes we, we disregard God or sometimes we put God off on the shelf because we're not feeling anything right now. 
But it's amazing that the Bible talks about those moments, the things that we can be confident about God, and that we can in our heads have this confidence of assurance that even though we don't feel like God is there, we know he is there. We can know that he is faithful. We can know that he loves us. Okay? Tremendous, you know, promises that engage us where we think first and foremost and then relates into the way that we live the rest of our lives. Here's another passage. Now, here's, here's, here's another passage that, that Paul uses. Because Paul was this incredible evangelist, right? He's this person who, who did this remarkable work across the Mediterranean, started all these church, churches, moved all these people into a relationship with God. Here's kind of like how he does it. Or, or what he thinks he has to attack first and foremost, Um, We are human, he says, but we do not wage war as humans do. He's acknowledging that it's some kind of a war, a spiritual battle that's going on. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and and to destroy false arguments. So he's talking at an intellectual level at some point, engaging We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Taking taking every thought captive, older translations say, to Christ. Now, what do you do with that? Right? Isn't, isn't it amazing that Paul is talking about, uh, you know, Paul in, in many ways is saying in this, in this passage, you know, one of the ways that I engage other people is to help them see God differently, help them see Christ differently, help to see the world differently. Isn't that what Paul did on, on Mars Hill? Right? When he went up to all the philosophers and he said, oh, I see you have this tomb to this unknown God. Let me tell you about him. You're already thinking that, that maybe you've missed the boat about the reality of, of this God, the possibilities of this God. Well, guess what? This God has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. I can tell you all about him. You can change your thinking about what you, what you know about or what you think you know about the world and what you think you know about God and start there and transform the way you think and change your world. Paul understands that the very first battlefield, the very first step that we take a lot of times when it comes to the way we relate to the world outside. Now, I've got to tell you, I, I really struggle with this because most people, most people will not react to you unless the, the faith is real to you. It's all about the experience today. But I think we've gone so far down that road that we've missed the intellectual part of it. That we've missed the reality of what it all means. What it all stands for. You see, a lot of times we treat Christ as just an addition to the good things we want in life. We don't, we don't enter into a relationship with Christ because we recognize that we are sinners. That we need a Savior. That we're going to die in our sin if we don't transform our lives by coming to faith in Christ. 
You know, we, we've lost that sense of it. It's almost like a feel-good thing that you come to Christ nowadays because it's just really cool to have this thing in your life. You know, and, it, and, and we've kind of lost that. And we've kind of lost that. And listen, here's, here's, here's another thing. If, you were, if I were you sitting right there, right now, I'd be freaking out listening to a guy like me talking about this because this can be very manipulated, right? This can, this can become very dangerous. And I think that's part of the reason why we, we have to be very careful, right? But this is the really cool thing about the Bible. The, the Bible helps us understand that it's all about thinking in a particular way. It's not thinking good thoughts just for the sake of feeling good. It translates into something that is real, that is applicable, that is approachable to the issues of life, and that can literally transform everything as God works through you through the Holy Spirit to change your whole perspective on everything. It's, it's, and it's really, really powerful because we can use this as a manipulation to make you do, oh, God says we should, you know, do these awful things. No. Right? We have a check and balance system that's right in the Bible. That is right in the Bible that tells us what we should be investing our thoughts in. What God wants us to invest our thoughts in. Really, really important. And this is how, taking this passage, how do we capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And listen, you know, you know, God wants what's best for us. And 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 listen. You know, when I hear a a a researcher like Dr. Caroline Leaf say that so many build their lives on toxic thoughts and those toxic thoughts relate into toxic living. Isn't that interesting that science is, is basically um, showing the, the, the truth of Scripture when it comes to these things? I, I find that absolutely fascinating. And she'll even go on to say that most of the medical conditions that we have in our culture are really problems of the way we think. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to even go anywhere. You know, that's, that's for you scientists and, and doctors and that to argue amongst yourselves and all that kind of stuff. But it's intriguing to hear her say in the research that like, like a, a good percentage of what we struggle with medically today originated first and foremost in your head. Like, I don't, well, what do you do with that? Is, could, it, could it be possible that what God has written in the scripture is true? <laughs> I'm bothered it was only one of you um, that, that, that said that you, you know could it, could it be could it be could it be and I you know I, again uh, I'll leave that to the scientists and, and doctors and that to argue but could it be that, that God has something on this so when we talk about what, what thoughts do we take captive here is the apostle Paul again here's the last passage I want to I take you through isn't it beautiful what Paul says here? Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. He's written to the Philippians, the trouble that they're having in Philippi. And he writes this, fix your thoughts 
Can, can we see that? Fix your thoughts. Very intentional. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, I can't manipulate you up here by telling you how to think. Scripture does that by admonishing you to think about things that are admirable and worthy of praise that God has given us. I, you know, I, I think this is incredibly, incredibly powerful. But how many of us, how many of us, how many of us are stuck today trying to do something when maybe, just, just, just maybe, just maybe, what you have to do first and foremost is maybe change the way you think. And maybe when you start that, it would start to do something to the rest of your life that God has initiated, God has promised to finish, and help you get unstuck from the very place you are. See, most of us today don't want to get unstuck by doing something different. Maybe for some of you this morning, the first thing you need to do is get back to the Word of God and maybe, maybe start thinking differently. I, I don't know everybody intimately in this room, but I do know, I do know something about each and every one of you because it's part of the human experience. You are either living with one of two things that is affecting the way you live right now. You're either living with a lie that scripture would correct if you learn to accept it, or you're either living with a toxic thought that's hurting you. Um, and, and, and again, I, we, you know, we could line up everybody in this room and you know, we, could, we could do the, the, you know, the Mr. Spock mind meld and I could kind of draw it out of your, out of your head. But, but my experience has been every single one of us live with either a lie or a toxic thought. And maybe we are stuck because of one of those things. And maybe it's time that we change our thinking to honor and to praise God. Let's pray. Father... You know, this is, um, this is such an interesting subject to me, Lord. Um, just how many times in the scripture we talk, it talks about our thinking, taking every thought captive, dedicating our minds to the things of Christ, capturing all the things that are good and honorable, pleasant, lovable, pure, holy. And yet, so much of what we do in our lives, we feel has to relate first and foremost to how we do things, what we do things. 
And yet I often wonder, Lord, if it isn't just a basic starting point to change our thinking. And maybe that's the first place we need to start. Lord, there are some here this morning who are stuck. They're stuck relationally. They're stuck financially. They may be stuck at work, emotionally. Lord, I pray that through the prompting of your spirit this morning, you may just prompt them to hear your voice as to what they need to change in terms of their thinking this morning. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.